You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about vampire books. We realized we've never even done a fucking vampire book episode. I know. I was going to make a vampire noise, but I don't know what vampire noise is. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because we both made a face when we did that. And I wish that this was... Great for a a podcast. Recorded. Yeah. We both both imagine the face of like a vampire from the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. Yes. Um, We're also interviewing Mike Chen about his vampire book, Vampire Weekend. And we're solving a listener problem about book tracking. But first, what are you reading, Bria? Um, I just finished a little book. I call it little because it's novella. Hey, checking out, one, checking off one of the uh, reading glasses hey. glasses challenge. Um, read a novella. Um, uh, it is the number eight in the Wayward Children series. I, I figured this would be lost the one. in in the moment and found. I forgot this would, of course, be the novella I read. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first novella I read this year is my first twenty twenty three book. Um, because you know I usually spend the first part of the year kind of doing some backlist, and yes. so this has been a really this was one that I was like, well, of course I must read it. It is uh, by Seanan McGuire. Did I already say that? Who could say? We don't know. I think they know by now. Okay. It's Seanan <laughs> McGuire, Lost in the Moment and Found. So if you are just listening to the show, y'all should know I love this series, the Wayward Children series. It is about children who kind of go to Narnia-like places, and then they come back, and they're all fucked up because they're like, why is there no, like, talking lion to solve things for me? <laughs> and it's about children, but it's it deals with these really adult themes this is the most adult-themed book. It's still the main character is a child, but it is an adult-themed book. So please, please check those content warnings wow. for abuse and um, uh, sexual abuse. Uh, but this is about a young girl. Um, she has her mother remarried, uh, about to get remarried to a man that she's not a fan of, and she finds a doorway, and there's these doorways in the series that they always say, be sure, at the top of them. And she walks through it, and she ends up in this shop. It's a shop that kind of doesn't uh, live in any particular world. And you go there, and you're able to find things that you lost. So people come to find lost things. And in the shop, also, there's a ton of other doors that she can go through and find other things in other worlds. So it is like kind of like a central hub for this universe that Shauna McGuire has created where you can go to all these different worlds. Ooh. You can go shopping. You can go adventuring. Wow. Uh, whatever. And you can keep passing through it. But there is a price that she's paying that she doesn't know about uh, for a long time. And uh, so it's this fun combination of, like, cool, interesting worlds, but then, like, a very dark undertone, as all these books have. I loved it. First 2023 book. Probably would be my best of the year. I, I thought it was very <laughs> starting good. Starting strong. Starting, starting strong. strong. I think I'm done. I'm not going to read any more. Tw- You're like, I'm checking out. I think I'm done with 20. 20- this You can't top it. Why bother? <laughs> I mean, I get it. My favorite 2023 book just came out. The new Grady Hendrix. Oh, yeah. How to Sell a Haunted House. I was like, pack it up, pack it in. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. All right. Reading glasses is over for the year. We're, we're, we're in December. <laughs> we are done. Uh, what are you reading? Do you want to talk about that one? Or are you talking about something else? Oh, I am talking also about a 2023 book. Oh, great. Uh, it is called Liar, Dreamer, Thief. By oh, me. this is on my this is on my. I TV. have an arc oh, you, of it. This one you said I would like it. Yes. Yeah, it's on my. Uh, it's, uh, by Maria Dong, and I got an arc because me and Maria have the same agent, Amy Bishop, and Amy was like, "This book is bonkers. You should read it." And she was right. It's so good. Yeah. It's very weird though, because it's kind of like like a literary fiction, but also a thriller, but also a fantasy. And it's about this woman, and she works in this like very menial corporate job. I know that. I love that. Love that. And she is, she's very unhappy. She's very lonely. And right away, you can tell that she has some sort of mental illness. 
Um, and she has uh, all these, she, she, I think in the book she has OCD, she has all these uh, rituals, but the rituals are kind of fantastic in nature because mm. sometimes she's in our world, but sometimes the world from her favorite childhood fantasy book pops up oh, cool. like things from it like all, she'll be in her kitchen and all of a sudden all these giant glowing r- purple mushrooms will be there and she's like oh god damn it um but the story is all about this so she's very lonely and she's in a kind of bad place in her life and you start to s- slowly figure out why she's there and what's going on with her and all you know is that she's obsessed with this guy at work and she's kind of stalking him but not in like this sounds bad but like not in like a gross sexual way she's just like a very lonely person and she thinks that this this guy and her are kindred spirits Uh until one day i won't tell you what happens but something a disaster thing happens and she realizes that maybe he was watching her as much as she was watching him oh wow okay and so you're trying to figure out it's just like it goes so far off the rails and you're trying to figure out what's going on with her and what's going on with her roommate there might be more that's going on with her and like can she is is this fantasy world real is it hurting her is it helping her it is so bonkers, but so cool. I, th- I would I would probably classify this as like a good mix between like character and plot. Because uh, you, even though this lady is going through it, you're like, I want to just, I just want to, you need a sandwich. Like, <laughs> you okay? You need a nap. Like, you really want to help her out. It's really, it's it's a very, it's such a unique book. Um, so that's Liar, Dreamer, Thief by Maria Dong. And mine is Lost in the Moment and Found by Shauna McGuire. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback about bookstore shelf talkers. We got a lot of feedback about this. Oh, after because we... someone wrote in and they said, uh, I want to know what I should put on my shelf talker. Yes. And pe- oh, people have opinions. People have opinions. Great. Uh, Kyle wrote in to say, I just learned the term shelf talker from your December 1st episode. My friendly local bookstore, One More Page Books, uses shaped post-its for theirs. And that's something I mentioned to people when recommending the store. I always saw that they had a bunch of extras up behind the counter, but it wasn't until today that I realized it's their trophy wall of successful sales from the shelf talkers i tweeted to them about it and they confirmed it and sent me a photo of some of their trophies that is very wait cool. what does that mean a trophy so wall? if someone like le- sees the shelf talker likes it so much buys the book they take it down and put it up on the wall and it's like ha, that was successful oh we i sold like that. a book with that it's so cool that's very cool Amanda wrote in and said, Hello, Bria and Mallory. I was listening to the latest episode 284, reading books and watching their adaptations on my way to my job at an independent bookstore. I heard the reader question from Heidi about being uncertain what people are looking for in a shelf talker. Well, Amanda's here to help. At our store, we definitely write lots and lots of shelf talkers, and I've attached photos of a few that our customers have commented on enjoying or said that the shelf talker sold the book for them. I've also included a photo of our holiday-themed blind date books with fun, simple, bulleted lists. I hope that these can give some help and inspiration to a fellow bookseller. Thanks so much for your podcast, and I love listening and often share it with my coworkers. Oh, so we'll this. post those over yeah, on I can Instagram. Find the, I can grab these pictures That's from cool. our inbox That's very and post cool. them. Love them. Yeah, folks, if you see a cool shelf talker in a bookstore, take a picture of it and tag us because yeah. we want to see it. Cool. And then Stacy wrote in with a toasty reading tip. I don't know what the I don't know, but I'm know, here for it. I don't know what a no, tip. what noise with, for, what that would be. But I, folks, if you were concerned during our last episode, do not worry. Mallory walked into my house and said, "Don't worry, I found my slide." Book. <laughs> like, As oh, if I was worried. <laughs> Bria's sweating every night, <laughs> wondering where our slide whistles are. But don't worry, folks, I found it. Uh, so Stacy says, "Hello, my toasty reading tip is an electric blanket. I have one for the couch and one for the bed, so I don't have to keep hauling it wow, back and forth." I haul mine back. I got one for Christmas. Just nice. gotta say, Stacy. I got a, one as a gift, and I've been hauling it back and forth. Just and so walk around I house, guess I need to get a second. Get a battery pack. Yeah. 
I or an extension cord. <laughs> <laughs> like, like when you're on the phone in the 90s. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and then it gets, like, caught on something. You're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta go walk all the way back. Stacey says, um, keeps my toes warm, attracts my cats for a snuggle, makes me want to stay and read even longer. I also have a laptop stand from Ikea with a Kindle iPad holder attached to it so I can keep my drinks and snacks close while having the option of holding my reading device or not. Thank you for doing this podcast and for reinforcing that it's okay to put down a book you aren't enjoying. I have found quite a few books that I've loved because I've put down a book that wasn't right for me. You know, before we read Stacey's Wheelhouse, I want to say I got my cats an electric blanket for Christmas. Oh. And they live in it. I have concerns about, so I unplug mine every time I leave the room. Oh, we, yeah. We okay, because I'm scared they're going to, they're going to be like making biscuits and it's going to electrocute them. Well, yeah, we take it, it's on a timer and we, we unplug it if we're not around. There is an age gap too here where, um, so when I was a kid, I loved an electric blanket, but they were known for being fire hazards. Oh, is that true for you? When you think of yeah. them, do you think of a fire hazard? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay, I think okay. the, I think electric blanket technology has uh, come a long way. Has come a long way because I I because I, I think that now like all the blanket has to be like it has to be fireproof and they've changed the way they the, the actual heating parts are. Got it. It's not like so it's just like not... put a fire next to cotton and like call it a blanket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have fun. Yeah, Don't I fall feel asleep. Like that was a big problem. But now, I mean, yeah, I'm less worried about that for some reason. But I do yes. unplug it every time I leave the room. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. this is, I think it's on like an hour long timer. Also, oh. the one that I got specifically doesn't get too hot. Okay. It's very, even on the highest setting, because I don't, my cats are very particular and they're like, mm, too hot. I don't want Do you know what else we have in our household is a uh, foot warming blanket. And it has Isn't these. Isn't that just a blanket? No, it has these little foot holes. And you put your feet in there. I did not buy this, which is very funny. Uh, it has, it's like essentially like a mat. It is blanket material. But if a blanket was like a mat with two little footholds and you put your feet in there, like while you're watching So it's TV, like a heated garage for your feet? Yeah, like heated slipper blanket. You know what I mean? <laughs> real floppy slipper. <laughs> it is, uh, but like it's one full thing. Does it work? And it is, yeah, it's just a real joy. It's such a joy to have around. I might get one. Of it's those. really nice. You're watching TV. You put it in that thing, and you're just like, wow. "Wow, look at me! Is this the? Is this peak luxury? I think so. <laughs> we're truly wow. living in the future." All right, you want to read Stacy's Wheelhouse? I think we're gonna like this one. Yes, Wheelhouse Cats in all caps. Normal cats, talking cats, demons masquerading as cats, etc. Love it. Characters that make their own future, found families, untrustworthy narrators, and interesting and unique magic systems. Love it. Definitely a glasser. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. I have a quick bookmark. Oh. I have been going out in the world quite a bit, and uh, I've run into quite a few glassers. And I just want to say thank you for saying something to me. And also, I'm sorry you're running into me and not Mallory. Why? Mallory would really make this a great experience, whereas Why? me, I'm like, oh, shit. I don't know. Like, has you're you, first of all, there was a person I ran into. I, I guess I probably shouldn't say this person's name, but it's a person that, like, we know. And I said, oh, I ran into this person in Hawaii, of all places. And you were like, oh. She sends us tons of stuff. And I was like, oh, I just forgot. Like, that kind of stuff. Well, it's because like, I do the emails. Oh, uh, maybe that's why. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just feel bad because I'm like, I'm sure I know you. I'm sure we've met, but it's going to take me, like, 
longer than we have in this interaction for me to figure it out because my brain is you, like that. Next time, call me when okay, you need like, a oh, hold on, hold on. Let me call Mallory. <laughs> and I will know. Um, but I, no, I feel like you're better at socializing than the, of the two of us. I, well, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I feel like I, yeah, I love socializing, but, um, I'm more I, anxious than you are. I have a brain like a sieve and like <laughs> the one thing that doesn't stick in there is names. Anyway, okay. but it's been so lovely meeting people in person. I also want to say how impressed I am with Glassers that recognize podcasters because that's right. I'm thinking <laughs> you don't see us. I know, I know. You have no idea, but yeah, they recognize. I yeah, I don't know. One time I was like, yeah, I, I was like no makeup, just hanging out, and I was like looking off into the sky, thinking about something, and I was like, how would you know? I mean, I think if you heard my voice, maybe. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I got recognized once. I don't. Did I ever tell you the story? I got recognized once on a grocery store, and I literally had an arm full of flaming hot cheetos oh that's very funny it was like me and jeremy were gearing up for like a big game it was like the weekend we're like oh we're gonna play a bunch of video games and eat a bunch of junk it's gonna be fun and i i have my arms full of hot cheetos and so i hear feel a tap on my arm and someone's like i love your show so much and i was like oh no that's very funny i wish the like it's i i just wish people would see us like doing noble things yeah yeah instead we're not like buying a dragon's like, horde like of cheetos space, like like not reading at all no but i uh, but we do love it. I like it. Oh, absolutely. I love when yeah, people yeah. come up. Please say hi. It makes us feel very fancy. And we love meeting glassers because the great thing about meeting glassers is you can always be like, hey, what are you reading? Yeah. yeah. You never have true. to worry about what you're, See, what you're talking I about. Do that? I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, good. Anyway, thank you all for coming up to me. Uh, so before we talk about vampire books, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Microdose Gummies. Bria, have you ever heard about microdosing? I have heard about it on this show. (laughs) (laughs) But other places too. All Um, kinds of people microdose for all kinds of reasons. For health, for improved performance, to get sleepy. sleepy. Yeah, Yeah. which is something we love. You know, just to sit down, relax, read a book. Microdose Gummies deliver the perfect entry doses of THC that help you feel the right amount of good. There's so many ways you can use these. Yeah. You can use them like I do when you have just lifted up thousands of pounds, not all at once, but over the course of an hour. And I'm getting there, though. Uh, <laughs> and you want to give your muscles a break. Maybe you are you are having a day that you're writing or you're doing something creative and you need a boost with that. Maybe you have insomnia or you get nighttime anxiety or you just need to relax at night. Microdose gummies have got you covered for all this stuff. Yeah. And don't forget... You can actually get these nationwide. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code GLASSES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description, but again, that's code GLASSES. GLASSES. This week, it's all about vampire books. Or should I, I you know what? I was going to do a Bella Lugosi voice, but Ooh. I can't. This week. This week. week yeah, or like the count. One. You can do the like count. Like How many vampire books? One, <laughs> two, two, three. three. <laughs> Mine uh, goes Italian for some reason. <laughs> it's fine. I'm sure there's a lot of Italian vampires. Yeah. But we want to know, why do people love vampire books so much? And why do they have so much literary staying power? Mm. And what are some vampire books that we recommend? Mm. Uh, first off, let's talk about how vampires have been a literary staple for literally well over a hundred years. Yeah. You might say that they're immortal. 
<laughs> why, Bria, why do you, <laughs> Bria, why do you think people love vampire books so much? They're sexy. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Yes, oh yeah, yes. yeah, thanks. <laughs> I'm oh. too hard. <laughs> No. Imagine being a vampire and you're like all immortal and sexy, but like that's the noise that happens when you come into a room. Yeah, you get a little, you get a slide whistle noise. Wow, I'd give it up for that. <laughs> I I always say I would want to be a vampire. This is a big argument in my household. Cause really? So you would pick a vampire? I I I'm interested, but then you know that would mean that like demons and hell exists, and I would go to hell. So that would be not a problem. You, what? No, not only if you get staked. You're gonna get staked at some point. Just keep a low profile. Uh, um, anyway, <laughs> Don't hang out around any high schools in Southern California. Yeah, that's so true. I, I mean, I think there's a sexuality element to vampires, oh, for sure. absolutely. But I think there's also a power element, and that's yes. the one I'm interested in. I'm interested in the immortality. I'm interested- Power in, first, sex second. Being strong, living forever, having cool teeth. They're very dangerous. <laughs> I'm, like, interested in that part of it. I think that's something interesting to me. And just people, I think, are interested in that in general. Like, the limits and the, you know- the limits of humanity are not the limits of vampire vampirism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that that's humans are always like, what if we were not this breakable? What if we were not this vulnerable? What if we didn't have to die? Like, what would it mean? But neither of us eat meat. We would be in a pickle. Yeah, that's true. Well, things would have to. Ch- a lot of things would change. Impo- but- impossible vampire blood. <laughs> yeah, beyond vampire blood. Impossible is going to start making a vampire blood. Uh, what do you think is the? Um, is the staying power of vampire books. I just think it's a question humans are always going to ask themselves. Like, mm. what if we could live forever? It's something that we're, we are, until some sort of wild technology happens where we all, like, Bicentennial Man, I do not know why we always bring up that, and by we, I mean me, always bring up that Not me, I'm movie. not bringing, I don't even think I've do seen you know Bicentennial Man. With Robin Williams? <laughs> I know what it is. <laughs> I don't know why I always bring this weird movie up. But until we get to that point where we can live for hundreds and hundreds of years, I think people are always going to wonder what would what it would be like because it's like the biggest thing in in humanity. It's a huge theme, and so much of literature is death and grieving and all mm-hmm. of that, and what happens on the other side. I think vampire books let us imagine what life would be like if we were predators instead of soft, squishy humans. Yeah, you know, we've always been afraid of strong things with big teeth, and I think there's some kind of catharsis there to imagine what it would be like to be the strong mm-hmm. thing with yeah. big teeth. That's interesting. I think you're right about that. That instead of yeah, we are the thing. Or what if those existed as humans and we are still the victims, how we deal with that. And I think there's also, it always comes back to I'm bored. They always get bored with being alive for a long time. And I think for us, I mean, this is I think that vampires need to listen to reading glasses. Because if they did, they would be like, oh, I have so many books to read. I'm not bored So many books to read. I think it's also like humans are like, well, what if I live forever? Oh, I'd probably get bored. And maybe we would, but it would take me a long time to get bored. I would ha- read so many books. I would learn so many languages. Mm-hmm. I would travel a lot yeah. at night, I guess. Maybe traveling is not as exciting when you can't see the sun. I always think that I would do all those things, but then the pandemic proves I wouldn't do anything because oh. I sat at home and watched Yeah, but you TV. weren't immortal. You couldn't fly. But I had a lot of time. <laughs> That's true. That's true. All right. Let's recommend some vampire books. Bria, what is your first one? Well, I can definitely recommend the new Mike Chen. Yes, we can. Uh, it is it's so called Vampire fun. Weekend. Um, we are about to talk to him about it in just one moment. Just stick around a couple more minutes, and I got to have a chat with him. We love Ch- Mike Chen on this show. Um, we talked a lot about something I liked that he did with it, was he took all those rules, them, them being very powerful, them being able to fly and stuff, and he kind of turns it on its head. Yes. Um, and there's also, like, a really interesting musical element to this one. Uh, it's about a vampire who plays in a band, 
But she doesn't really have anything else going on. So, I mean, I guess she is bored, but mm-hmm. she's also just sort of like not a social person, doesn't really want to be a part of this community. It's kind of a, she's like a what we do in the shadows kind of vampire where she has to like have a crappy job. Yeah, she has a crappy job. You know? Um, she's But she's like punk. Like yeah. she's like a punk lady. And then her extended family shows up and she they change things and she has to figure some things out. Um, and she figures things out about herself and about the community and about her past. And it's just great. Really well-written book. I like it because we all think that if I was, if I like was immortal, so many of my problems would be fixed, but then you get a whole new set of problems. Turns out you are still who you are when you are immortal. Uh, (laughs) definitely. What is your first, uh, recommended book? I got to kick it off with some queer vampires. Big favorite thing among the glassers. Uh, we get asked for queer vampire books pretty frequently. So yeah. this is a great one. It's yeah. When I Arrived at the Castle by Emily oh, Carroll. Oh, yeah, great great one. Ugh. I like this. It's a short graphic novel and is gorgeous and steamy and it has a hot lesbian vampire. Like, what else do you need? Yeah, and it's like you can read this in 20 minutes. Yes. It's very it's very readable graphic novel. It's so fun and so pretty and just, just a blast. If you like queer horror or vampires, you should be absolutely reading this book. Uh, what? Is, oh, I knew you were going to pick this one. Yeah, which is another queer queer vampire, but this one's YA. I think this is the only YA, like, true YA I'm choosing, but there's a lot of YA vampire. You know, I've never read Twilight. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So I was thinking, like, oh, there's some big ones that I'm, like, I have not read. But anyway, um, I've talked about this one a lot on the show. I'll do, like, a quick recap. It's about a young vampire girl she's stuck looking like she did the day that she died. Like she still has crimped hair from the eighties. And again, her life sucks. She has to work fucking fast food because she still looks like a teenager. There's nothing she can do about it. She has to work like jobs that teenagers can get. And she was turned by this ex-boyfriend who's just this sort of egomaniac asshole. And then one day she meets one of her uh, ex's exes. And you know what they say? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Um, And then they are like, we should go find the girl that he's after now. Because he kind of runs through women and turns them and then abandons them. And he didn't think this would become a problem for him at some uh, point? Yeah. And and also, they all have to stay within a certain vicinity of him in this vampire world. Like, or else they start, stuff starts happening to them. So they have to, like, be within, I can't remember, some radius of him. So they go and find the girl that he's after now, who's in high school. And, um... They are trying to convince her basically to break up with him, but then it becomes the then the main girl that we made uh, uh, like starts to fall for her, and it becomes this like romance. And there's all sorts of really interesting rules about how about blood and how to destroy a vampire and stuff like that that are that are new to this book that um are not in other books. Like again, kind of playing with those vampire rules. So I really loved it. It was a really fun book. I am changing my next one on the fly. I was going to talk about a book that we have talked about on the show a lot. Oh, sure, yeah. So I'm going to talk about a book that I read that came out last year, last summer, I think. It was uh, Reluctant Immortals by Gwendolyn Keast. Oh, yeah. I never um, read this. I just don't, I don't know why what you were talking about made me, reminded me of it, but it's maybe it's the bad boyfriend thing, but it, it takes place in the 1960s and it's the two main characters are um, Bertha from Jane Eyre and Lucy Westerna from Dracula mm. and they are immortal and they are best friends and they basically become best friends because they've escaped their toxic crappy exes. One being this, Dracula. This makes sense that you thought of this from. Yes. Yeah. And the other one being Mr. Rochester from Jane Eyre. And uh, so they're living in 1960s San Francisco. And they every night go to the drive-in to like watch movies and hang out. And um, but turns out they can't outrun their crappy exes forever. And they get found at some point, And it's kind of like a wild chase through Northern California in the 60s. It's just really fun. I didn't see a lot of people talking about it last year. Um, but it's 
it's just a blast. Mm. And um, it's a very interesting vampire novel because, you know, the main, Lucy's the main character and you're seeing how she's dealing with, you know, being a vampire in 1960s California when she grew up in England in the 1800s and how she survives and how they live in this house. And like, because they, the way that they've survived for a really long time is she has Dracula. And I think the opening scene is she's burying one. The way that they've been able to to keep it going is that they split up his ashes into a bunch of different Right, urns, that's what you have to do. And she, they keep them in all different places and she get, got annoyed with him. So she's burying him near the Hollywood sign. Oh, or no, not near the Hollywood sign. Maybe yes, near the Hollywood Oh, yeah. They start in L.A. and then they go north up to San Francisco. And she's burying him near the Hollywood sign. Um, but obviously something happens where he comes back. Um, and it's just it's really it's a blast. It's like a very fun book. This would be a good beach read if you're a goth. Oh, great. <laughs> Love that. Uh, what's your next read? Um, I wanted to do a one that's a little bit older, uh, which is Fledgling by Octavia Butler. Um, again, adult themes. Maybe that's my theme for this episode. I don't know. I mean, know. vampires are very adult. Yeah, but this one is about a young vampire. She looks young. She looks young. She looks like a child, but she's so like over the 50. Kirsten Dunst from yes. Interview with the Vampire. Very much like her. Did you um, watch that show? Yes, I loved the show. Oh my God. The show if was you so want good. queer vampires, why aren't you not? Why, yeah. People, you got to watch the Interview with the Vampire show. If you heard me and my best friend screaming from Brooklyn a few months ago, yeah, it's that so was when good. us watching it. Yeah, I loved it. And I thought <laughs> so it was going to be good. hard to do it. Yeah, I was really into it. Um, this one also, that has a young woman stuck in the body. Uh, uh, you know, obviously you mature, but then you're still stuck in this like pre-pubescent body. Yeah. Uh, this is a similar thing. Um, it's it's kind of survival. It's kind of like finding your family, finding your clan, finding your crew. Um, it also deals with like feminism and race as Butler is really, you know, great at doing. Um, it's it's a good book. Uh, we actually read it for my book club like last year or something. And um, I never read this one of Octavia Butler. So that was oh, interesting hey. to read. I think I talked about it on the show a little bit. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I would be truly awful if I did not recommend something from the recent Buffy comics because my boyfriend used to write them. Uh, my boyfriend, Jeremy Lambert, is a comics writer. And the person who took over from Jeremy is our beloved friend, Sarah Gailey. So mm -hmm. you cannot go wrong with the Buffy comics. They're the, the new ones are so much fun. Um, but I'm going to recommend um, my favorite of them is the last one that Jeremy did called Buffy 97, hmm. um, where the whole Buffy crew, half the Buffy crew gets trapped in an evil 90s fashion magazine. Oh, love that. And it's like all like 90s fashion stuff. I remember helping Jeremy pick out like, you remember that thing that they had in the 90s where you was like do a weird zigzag part? Oh, those are like back. I know it's all it's very it's freaking me out but like I was helping Jeremy find all these commercials for all these old mm -hmm. like hair things and uh, fashion things and then um Spike is helping Giles get a makeover for a date that he has it's just super fun and it is like the art is amazing is my I there's a lot of the Buffy comics that I love that Jeremy did but this is my favorite so it's uh, Buffy 97 is what it's called nice uh oh yeah I, I knew one of us was gonna pick yeah this. I, yeah so this oh, is definitely so like a group good. a group pick uh would uh my next one is Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix not a this one you're not following the vampire, no. which I thought would be good. So have one where yes. you're talking. It's someone who's in sort of investigating a possible mm -hmm. vampire. It's about and it's scary. It, it really is. Um, it's about a group of southern women. We have a book club. Uh, it's in the '90s, and um, then this strange, handsome man comes to town, and our protagonist is like, something weird is going on here. 
and she has to rely on her smarts and her book club members, and they have to figure out what is going on with this man. But no one believes them. They don't get taken seriously because they are housewives. Yes. And because they, uh, people think that they're exaggerating about things, or they don't know what they're talking about. And, and um, that's the scary part of the book. Mm-hmm. It's not even just the vampire. It's that these women are literally like, hey, here's this thing that's happening, and they're like, their, their husbands are like, is that's it? cute. Yeah, and then some of the women, uh, yeah, and it's about the inner infighting between this group. Um, it's a great book. It's I think it's my favorite of Grady Hendrix's. The new, uh, I, I mean, I, this this would be pretty up there, but new one. I haven't read it yet. It's a haunted house book. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Right. And it is, oh, I'm not. I'm gonna. We're gonna start because I love it so much. <laughs> but this this one is also a certified banger. Um, What's your next one? It is a. Uh, this is a YA one. This is called The Night Wanderer by Drew Hayden Taylor, and it's like a good combination of gothic vampire story plus coming of age. Hmm. Uh, it's about this teenage girl, and she lives with her family on this reservation. Um, the author is native. I forget where I forget where this takes place, but um, their her father starts renting out a room in their house to a guest who seems a little creepy. And at first, like she's just too wrapped up. The protagonist is like too wrapped up in her teenage problems to like really notice. Um, but then um, she has an encounter with this guest. Uh, and it changes her life and changes the guest's life and things get really, really wild. And it's very short and it's really fun. Um, and it's definitely like, I, I don't think I've ever read, um, uh, a story about a vampire that is on a reservation before. Yeah. And, um, so if you're looking for a different type of vampire story, this is a really great one. Uh, oh, what's your last one? I actually just did an audible cause I, I was walking around thinking yesterday, I was going to recommend a book that came out like 10 years ago. And then I was like, oh wait, no, you know, what I should recommend is a yep. is it a vampire book? Mm-hmm. Is it? It is, I think. But it's Paul Bearer's Club by Paul Tremblay. Do you yes. think it's a vampire book? <sighs> I think it's a vampire. I do too. But, but it's it, it. But it is. It's like Paul Tremblay is the master of writing a book that up until the last sentence you don't know You're like what is it, it haunted is it a yeah. demon is she possessed is like you just don't does know. the supernatural exist we I don't know. even know paul um, is the master but you, y'all we talked about this just a couple weeks ago because it was on our favorites of the year oh, so um good. uh wow i'm confusing the years but that was last year right yep wow okay the the first year first month of any year i feel like there's a weird gap where i'm like is 2021 last year yeah or is know, 2022 totally last year um but uh it's about a if you haven't heard us talk about it it's about a young man who joins um a local pallbearers club that's a thing and he meets this young woman and maybe she's a vampire and there's also a lot of music with it in it that's really mm-hmm. fun and a lot of punk a lot of weird stuff happens uh and the whole time he's writing this book and it's, this is not a like, spoiler we had someone write in who was like i can't believe that you guys spoil pallbearers club and we want to say there's blurbs that are like in the marketing material for this book that say it's a that there are vampires involved or maybe not. Yeah. Um yeah, and it's a it's a it's a question of whether or not there is. Um and uh, at the end and and throughout the book basically the woman he's writing about is also writing in the margins of the pages oh, and like saying so where he's cool. wrong or where he's making things up. Um yeah, so you have to decide whether to believe him or to believe her. Exactly. It's so good. Who to believe? Um and what's your last one? Ma- last vampire book? Uh, so my last book, because I know glassers are hungry for queer vampires, I'm going to mention a book I haven't read. I have it on hold at the oh, library. Oh, okay. Uh, it's called The Fell of Dark, and I have, uh, had, well, we've never talked about it on the show before, but I figure I'll bring in some new, new blood. Eh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> um, so it's about, so it's called The Fell of Dark, and it's about a teenage boy living in a small town where supernatural things are normal. 
uh, just like that's that's the world of this story where they're like, oh, don't go there. You know, there's all the monsters and shit there. And then so he's just like living his teenage life in this kind of weird supernatural town. And one day a vampire boy shows up and he has a warning for the protagonist, who's a teenage boy, that something is going to happen to this town. Um, and that's problem one. Problem two is that the vampire boy is wicked hot. <laughs> that's all I know. Uh, and I'm excited. And I wanted to mention it because it's a gay vampire book that we haven't talked about. And glasses are always hungry for that. So that's The Fell of Dark. Uh, and it just seems really, really good. It seems like a, a, a classer book. Uh, so you can send your thoughts to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Send us all your vamp, hot vampire wrecks um, before a cold, cold-blooded vampire wrecks. Cold, right? I'm letting you keep going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so before we talk to Mike Chen about his new vampire book, Vampire Weekend, we're going to take a quick break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. When you're at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel overwhelmed or like you're not showing up in the way that you want to. Working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you and feel empowered to take on whatever life throws at you. You know, sometimes I'm not at my best, but when I am at my best, I can do a lot of things. I can get up early in the morning. I can write. I can pitch. I can do my job. I can be nice to my friends and family. And it's great when you're feeling your best and working with a therapist can help you feel your best. Mm-hmm. Don't you think, Mallory? I always tell people, I've been in therapy for a wicked long time. I've been in therapy since mm-hmm. 2015. So eight years. And uh, I always try to tell people that it's like going to the gym before your brain. Mm-hmm. It is a way to keep your brain healthy. I go twice a month. I get FaceTime with my my therapist and ever since COVID started. And that's what's cool about BetterHelp is that there's all different ways to connect with your therapist. You can video chat them. You can talk to them on the phone. You can text with them mm-hmm. if you're real cool. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what's great about BetterHelp is that they can fit therapy into your life, no matter what shape your life is. Yeah, exactly. And therapy can help you with all sorts of things. You don't have to be going through something big. But if you are going through something big, it's a great time to talk to a therapist. And BetterHelp is a great option for that. It's convenient. It's flexible. It's affordable. And it's all online. So you don't have to go anywhere in person, which people love. You do everything else online. You buy shoes that you might not wear. You look at pictures of cute cats on Instagram. Why not do some good for your brain and go to therapy online instead? Mm -hmm. Or in addition to... If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash glasses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash glasses. Glasses. Are elephants right-handed? What's the middlest size in the universe? What is the history of fan fiction? Let's find out together on our show, Let's Learn Everything, where we learn anything and everything interesting. My name's Caroline, and I studied biodiversity and conservation. My name's Tom, and I studied computer science and cognitive blah, 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 blah. Mm, Did you? <laughs> and my name's Ella, and I studied stem cells and regenerative medicine. On our show, we do as much research as you would for a class, but we don't get in trouble for making each other laugh. And we get to say, f***. Maybe not in the trailer. Subscribe to Let's Learn Everything every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. Wait, say it again. It's appearance number... Six? Appearance number six. Yes, wow. I've done it for each of my Mira books. Oh, no, no, wait. This is number five. Next this is number time. five. 
that next time will be number six. Wow, you deserve some sort of award or something. I um that means you've been on for every year we've done the podcast because I think we've done the podcast five to- five years. Yeah, my my debut was January two thousand nineteen. So, wow. Um, wow. yeah, I am wow. I am a friend of the show. Definitely more than a friend. You know, I feel like we can move on. We can call it something else at this point. We've moved on past friendship level. <laughs> best buds of the show. I get exactly. a little bad. There you go. We'll come up with something for sure. Okay. Well, anyway, in case uh, people just don't know who I'm talking to, hey, it's Mike Chen. How's it going? It's going good. Great. I'm very excited to talk about very wholesome vampires and punk rock. It's so wholesome, but first, of course, we have to ask. I have to ask you what, what you're reading. So I am reading chapter by chapter with my daughter right now, reading out loud the Phantom Toll Booth, which I have oh. not read probably in like 35 years or something like that, and it's just so brilliant and funny and clever. And then on my audiobook, appropriately, I am listening to Surrender by Bono, which means I am old and of a very specific generation of music <laughs> nerds that remembers when U2 was like super weird and super cool and creative and not like, you know, just kind of there like they are right now. Well, you know, people people change. Um, I I think those are both great. So um, let's talk about your super wholesome vampire uh, book, Vampire mm-hmm. Weekend. You want to tell people what it's about? Sure. So Vampire Weekend is the story of Louise Chow. She was born in the into the 50s as a child of immigrants, but never really fit in. And so she escaped into punk rock in the 70s, and then she became a vampire. And so she spends her immortality playing in bands and going to gigs and working night jobs and not really dealing with her generational trauma that she carried under her parents' expectations. And then during the decades, she loses the only two people who are close to her, which causes her to kind of withdraw even further. Um, Then an angsty teenage relative just kind of comes crashing into her life. All while there's this really strange blood bag shortage affecting the vampire community. And as her relative discovers her secret identity, her whole family history comes crashing into her life as like this major upheaval happens within the vampire world. So Uh, And then shenanigans happen. There's a lot of music. (laughs) There's a lot of San Francisco in there. Um, There's a lot of angst. um, And it is, like we said, the most wholesome vampire book ever written. I would say, too, it's it's everything about my teen years, like, wrapped up into one. Like, my obsession with, like, vampires and Anne Rice vampires. (laughs) And then my escape into guitars and punk and new wave. And then dealing with, like, the, the culture gap and trauma that comes with being like a child of immigrants. So it's like my parents read my books, but I really hope they don't read this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So one of my big notes I wrote myself was to ask about the music. I loved all the music in it. I loved the punk. I also came up in the punk scene. So like, there's a lot of stuff that I really uh, identified with in this book. Um, so tell me more about your background as in, in the world of punk and your relationship with music. So one of the things that I realized through a lot of therapy, and I, I'm in my, my 40s, so this is like like unpacking like my life in like the 80s and 90s, is like I immersed myself in like these subcultures as a teen to kind of like feel emotions in ways that like my parents weren't culturally able to give me. Huh. Um, and so a lot of that is uh, a, a lot of my story is 
is really about like kind of exploring this like realization that I that I've had about myself. And so with music, my history with music is like I've played piano since I was four years old. Um, and to me, it was like very mechanical, even though I was like really good at it. And then when I really discovered music, um, like punk rock and new wave and indie rock and all these bands. And I like, I felt something and I really, really dove into it. And I wanted it to be more than just like throw away, like fun times. It was like, this has to mean something because this is speaking to me. And then I started playing guitar when I was uh, 13. And that's when I really felt like I could understand not just music on a mechanical level, but like I understood like the emotion that went with it. So it's just been mm-hmm. something that's been super important to me. And it's like when like I'm like in my teens, I'm like listening to the Smiths and U2 and Depeche Mode and the replacements and stuff like that. And it was just this like I get the angst that someone is speaking to me and, you know, that sort <laughs> of thing. So I just like I, I wanted to bring that sort of vibe into into a, a story uh, and like one of the things that i kind of compare it to is nick hornby's memoir fever pitch is where he takes his love of soccer and his love of arsenal and he writes how those moments with arsenal like reflect moments in his life like significant moments in his hmm. life and i wanted to write i wanted to write like a fictional story about like indie rock and punk and kind of weave that into a narrative and then through and then I threw in vampires with it too. <laughs> <laughs> Which I loved. And I think all the glassers were really will really like that. Um just speaking of vampires, so we're doing a whole episode on vampires in honor of your book. Um and you in this book mess with vampire lore quite a mm-hmm. bit. What powers vamps have, what they don't. Um, and so I guess my question to you is, are you taking on the vampire industrial complex and how does that feel? <laughs> That's right. I'm like, I'm like the uh, vampire disruptor. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so in, in, in fiction, I think like pretty much all of fiction, vampirism is usually a metaphor for something like mm-hmm. sex or drugs or power. And so I, I wanted to like take not so much like the metaphor of vampirism, but like just like kind of the the biological side of it, of what we know as like vampire tropes and then consider like the real practical reality of it. I mean, like most of my books are just taking that, like taking this fantastical concept and then examining it through like the lens of someone who's really experiencing with it. And so part of that, I was thinking like, if vampires were real, how would they actually integrate into society, especially as society changes? Mm-hmm. Because like, I think of like a comparable to humanity is like, you know, 150 years ago, you used to have dudes settle scores like with a duel on the street. And that's, <laughs> that's clearly not happening right now. So how not do you yet. get... Not yet, but the way the world is going. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Who knows? We don't know. We don't know. Um, so how do you get blood in a world where they're like cameras and data and information everywhere. So then like part of the fun was like thinking about like, okay, if, if, if this is your need, like this is how you eat, then how do you actually integrate into society? But I want to tackle like some of like the tropes too, because like shape shifting into a bat or mist, like seems physically impossible, but things yeah. like, 
<laughs> like if you're shape-shifting to miss, like where does it all go? What happens to it? <laughs> um, but things like strength and speed, like how could that work? And like the idea of immortality, how does that work like on a physiological level? So I did some world building research about like how many calories you can actually get from eating blood and mm -hmm. like how much would you theoretically need if only your organs were kept or if only the organs that are kept alive are like your brain and your heart and everything else kind of goes into like this low functioning state. So then one of the things that I'm, I'm doing with that is like, if you're basically just being immortal because your brain and your heart and like your, you know, your veins and capillaries and stuff like those things still work, everything else is not really working. Then to me, it makes no sense that vampires would be hypersexual because like mm -hmm. things are not working. There. Yeah. So, so like that was always like, it, I always scratched my head at that. Like, I enjoyed in, like the Anne Rice vampires where she like, blood is sex for them because their sex organs don't work um mm -hmm. which doesn't jive with like the the tv incarnation but the tv incarnation is still great so everyone should watch that oh yeah i loved it but yes it is different but i like that you're you're bringing realism back to vampires and i i very much appreciate that they're still um, very sad <laughs> <laughs> um so what I really like about this book and all of your books is there is a hopefulness to it. If I'm reading one of your books, I know that at the end, it's not going to be some dark, bleak, um, end of the world scenario. Or even if there is an end of the world scenario, there's going to be, you know, some nice found family <laughs> that, yeah. that meet each other or something. So do you always go into it with that perspective? Is this how you walk through life? Um, how how does that hopefulness make its way into your books? You know, I... I think so. And it's funny because I was just talking with, with my wife about this because like she reacts like very viscerally to news and, mm. or like things happening in the world. And like I am of the state of mind of like, how do we like logically get through this? Like, how do we find a solution through that? And like, that's my approach to like the, the pandemic and like just sort of like, well, I could get really, really mad at like systems failing us or I can look at how like on a science level, like how can we start to interpret like where's a safe place to go? You know, that sort of stuff. So I think that's part of being like that sort of solution finding is built into who I am. And then from like a story perspective, it kind of taps into like the emotions that I'm still trying to sort out from my childhood. <laughs> All that therapy yep. about like, you know, just trying to find find a way through. So I do that in my day-to-day -day life, but then like on a narrative perspective, I think like the the character version of find a way through is to give them hope somehow combined with like practical solutions. I like that. That's a great answer. So we have asked you about your reader wheelhouse before, so I'm changing this question up. Are there <clears throat> any reader doghouse items that you have? These are things that make you put a book down and never open it again. Yeah, so my, my wheelhouse doesn't change. So this is good that we're talking <laughs> okay, about good. this. Uh, my doghouse, I would say, is anything that's like purely plot driven. Like I really, mm. really need to care about the characters. So it doesn't matter like how twisty or clever the plot is. If I'm not like totally engaged with the characters, then I'm just going to put it down. It's just, it's not for me. Um, the other thing is like grimdark stuff, which kind of goes back to like, you know, the hope punk thing. It's like the world is bad enough as it is and I don't need to like vicariously experience more difficult things yeah know? yeah yeah I totally I totally identify with that so um where can the listeners find you online and tell them where you can get the book so I am still on Twitter um it's still, wow look <laughs> it's at you still, it's still my preferred format of communication because I get to like write little 
jokes, you know, in yeah. like five seconds. I don't have to take a photo. So I'm on Twitter at Mike Chen Writer. I'm on Instagram at Mike Chen Writer. I don't really use Instagram well, so I, I'm barely there. I have accounts on Hive and Post and Mastodon, but I haven't really used them. So uh, at some point I may actually like activate those beyond just being a placeholder. My website is mikechenbooks.com and I, I don't update that enough. So it's really... Yeah, yeah, you Go have to, to Twitter. Find, me find him Twitter. on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> I, will, I will answer. I check my messages on Instagram like once every week or so. So if you really need to get me on Instagram and you don't want to support Twitter, that works too. And the book is available? January 31st. Awesome. Okay. Thank you for coming on the show, Mike. Good to talk to you again as usual. Yeah. And we'll see you again next year for my time loop book. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. We're ready. <laughs> I, oh, I just turned it in, so it hasn't been approved yet. So it, it could have gone horribly wrong, and then there's no book. But fingers crossed. When you crossed. go back in time and fix it, that's what you'll that's do. That's right, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. whole purpose of the book. <laughs> <laughs> Now let's solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Tori writes in, Hi, Mallory and Bria. I've emailed you a few times, but this is my first time with the question. And as always, I love your podcast and y'all are awesome. Uh, so I started doing a reading journal a few years ago, but it's become kind of obnoxious for me to keep up with because I read so many books. I read 350 in 2022. Oh. I was keeping track of the title and author, where I got the book, such as the library, the star rating, and the date I finished it. I feel like at this point, I'm just making work for myself. So I was wondering what you all do in your reading journals or if you have any tips for keeping it more concise. Thanks so much for your help. Bria, what should Tori do? Okay, I'm going to start with me and then we'll get Bria to Tori. <laughs> I do not use much information when I track. And if anyone should, Tori, it should be me. Mm -hmm. I do a book podcast. <laughs> And I constantly have to think of books I've read. And it is so hard to think of all these books that I've read and remember things about them. But look, there's only so much time on this earth. You're given yep. a finite amount of time and energy. Yep. And if you don't need to do it, don't do it. Don't nope. do it at all. So for me, I do write down the book, the author, and the year it was published, and a general like letter rating. Um, and then I also mark it as read on Goodreads because it makes things easy for me to track later. Mm -hmm. Like, because I'll look up something on like I'll be looking at a list on Goodreads I'm like oh I read that book you know just it keeps it e it's an easier way than me like making a full spreadsheet which would yeah. be what I would need to do but look if you're not enjoying this tracking then you shouldn't be doing it I don't enjoy a lot of tracking I track a lot of other shit in my life I track my <laughs> to-do list I write down a journal every night I do hardcore journaling twice a week like, I do a lot of self-reflection the book stuff for me is more fun and so it's like yeah. I do write down what I read but I didn't start doing that till we started doing the podcast. So it was like more like just for me to make sure I could go back through. But I assume you don't have a book podcast, Tori. Maybe you do. I hey, don't let know. Us know. Maybe you need to. Yeah, plug it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but if you don't need to be writing down all this shit, you know, you can really let that go. Because I think one of the main reasons I write it down is because I want to look at it for the end of the year. Yes. And then also, um, sometimes I need to make sure I haven't already read the book. <laughs> uh, that's kind of it. Yeah. Other than that, it is more just like something that I find fun when I finish a book is like to think about, you know, put it in my little journal, mm -hmm. start a new journal. Like I do love a journal. But um, yeah, I think if you want to go bare minimum, just go name, author. That's it. And yeah, maybe. Yeah, you don't even have to do a rating, but you, you could do a rating to. if you want. Because I, I mean, so we'll we'll talk about this on a future episode. But sometimes, what you think about a book when you're first done with it, 
your feeling changes. and you. It does, which is so weird. Like, mm-hmm. there are books that I read, and I'm like, I loved that. And I look back, and I'm like, ooh, I didn't love it. Like, or, yeah. or vice versa. We're going to do I, an episode about that at some I've point. Or I've straight up forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I've forgotten existed. I'm like, that was my favorite book at the yeah. time when I read it. But if you're reading 350 books, you've reading, you're reading a book a day. Yes. I imagine Tori is a wood chipper, and there's just <laughs> pages flying out of the side of her head at all times. But... Yeah, you don't have to do all that. Look, it sounds like you're plowing through these books anyway. It's not like you, like, let it go. What, what do you think Tori should be keeping up with? Uh, so I'm going to go do the same thing that you did. And gonna, Tori, I'm going to give you the same tip I used for myself. Uh, look back and ask yourself what this information you are tracking is doing for you. Mm. That's really the thing. Are you actually using this in any way? Because I used to track a ton of information. I would try, I do the same thing. I would track title, author, what I thought of it, when I started it, when I finished it, how many pages there were. Oof what format I read it in, what genre it was. And I did that for a whole year. And I looked back and I was like, I didn't fucking use any of this information. Like Mm -hmm. this, I absolutely did nothing for me. And there's some people who do the, like the book riot tracking spreadsheet and some people who track a bunch of information, but I get joy out of doing that. And that's great. And I will say, I see a lot of glasses who do that and they, actually use that information they're like oh i haven't i've been reading a lot of this i want to read more of this Mm. um i wasn't doing anything with the information and it sounds like tori isn't either that it's not actually it's one like you said it's not bringing her any joy when she writes it down and two at the end of the year it doesn't sound like it's actually making any difference in her reading life uh so i paired it back to what i did i do just title author rate like i do a letter rating and then now i do wheelhouse items and i did that all last year and i'm going to keep doing it specifically for us recommending books on this show and again tori if you don't have a book podcast you probably don't want to worry about it but i will say tracking wheelhouse items one it helped me track some content warnings which is great but also it made me see what books like if I looked at all the books I gave like an a minus or higher to and I could look at the wheelhouse items I it definitely helped me keep track of the things that I was enjoying Mm. like it helped me figure out last year that I like when a lady comes back to her hometown after somebody's dies. I could have told you that. I know. <laughs> it's true. But I was like, man, this is a thing that I like. And so, you know, just try to figure out what that information is doing for you. Make it work yeah. for you. And if you're just tracking to track, all you need is the author and title and maybe like a star, a star rating yeah, or a, start a story graph account and just like say red. Yeah. You know? You know, pick out the things that matter to you, but don't feel the need to write up like a whole journal entry for each book. Cause you're right. All the, by the end of the year, that's Tori, you read so fast that all of that, you, you've spent the time it takes to read one book uh, by every day or every other day, spending like an hour writing a, a journal entry. Yeah. You don't need to do that. Don't need to do that. Tori, yeah. we absolve you of your book guilt. Yeah. I'm waving my hand in the air. I don't know how priests do it, <laughs> but I'm doing, that looks right. What you're doing looks great. You know, I want to do, Hand open books. Sounds, yeah. There that's, you go. That's our, that's our version. If you want us to solve your reader problem or you have tips for Tori about what you track when you read, send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group, especially now neither Bria or I are on Facebook. We have both left the premises. And the this wonderful fan group of Reading Glasses is totally in the hands of our mods. And I didn't worry once when I clicked deactivate. I, they are such great mods and we really appreciate them. And uh, Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page, I have not looked at our Goodreads page in a while. I don't even know if it's a thing anymore. If you, if it, if it's not active, please let us know. We've been thanking Chrissy and Rachel for literally years now. I don't know if they still moderate it. We should check in on that. 
someone someone let us know if you do you use the good the reading glasses goodreads group please let us know it doesn't look like it's very active no. oh no 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 okay no it's not well yeah people are writing in the um yeah they are they are they're writing in yeah y'all go to the goodreads there's well chrissy and rachel reach out to us are you still the mods chrissy, let us know looks like chrissy is chrissy hell yeah thank you that's a long time that's years chrissy's been doing this yeah. we really appreciate that uh, and remember, you can buy reading glasses, totes, shirts, stickers over at our Void March store. There's so much stuff over there, and it's all great. I look at my my other car as a TBR list sticker every day, and I laugh. <laughs> I love it so much. Man, I should have worn my book sledge shirt today. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah, you were supposed to. I It was my idea, and then I completely forgot. <laughs> Next time me and you and Sean are all together, we'll all wear them and take a picture. But you too, listener, if you want to uh, show the world how you love books <laughs> Get a book slut shirt. They're, they the, the thing that's great about all our Void merch, merch is all the shirts and sweatshirts and wearable stuff. And even the mugs come in different sizes, different colors. The shirts come in. You can pick out the type of, of fabric that's used, which mm-hmm. I really love. So if you're one of those people that's like very particular and rightly so about the type of T-shirt fabric, you can do that on our Void merch store. And it's awesome. We really appreciate that. Uh, so the link in the show notes to that. And if you like the show and you want to do something nice for us, which we like when you do stuff that's Please. nice for us, it really means a lot to us. We're trying to get to 1,500 reviews on Apple Podcasts, but wherever you listen to podcasts, please rate and review us. Uh, it's honestly great for us. It helps us reach more listeners. Uh, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading. 